0: Quartermaster Studio presents Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. Welcome to Brushing Up, the miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast, where I, Dan the Quartermaster, talk with hobby industry professionals, community leaders and volunteers, as well as content creators about their experiences in the hobby. My guest on this episode is Viv from the Knights of Dice, an MDF terrain and tabletop gaming accessories manufacturer based in Melbourne, Australia. I caught up with Viv a few weeks ago to have a chat about the Knights of Dice, as well as the 24-hour live hobby charity stream he ran in aid of Beyond Blue. And joining me remotely is Viv from the Knights of Dice. Viv, welcome to the show, mate.
1: Thanks, mate. I appreciate you having me on.
0: It's good to have you. How have you been?
1: Um, not too bad, you know, Dan, it's been crazy here in Melbourne, you know, we're yeah. here in Australia, you know, the lockdown capital of the world at the moment, yes. um, <laughs> you know, in and out, in and out of, uh, you know, these COVID lockdowns, uh, there was a, it was an unofficial but slightly official 200 day lockdown celebration, um, you know, earlier this year, I think we're now right. up to 200, 250 days of lockdown, but, um, you know, outside of that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really well, I'm really well, you know, there's. You know, loads of cool things been happening in my hobby space lately. And um, Brilliant. yeah, it's I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm really good.
0: Good to hear. Well, before we have a chat about Knights of Dice and the Painting for Life uh, charity event that you ran uh, a little while ago, uh, we do have our obligatory hobby questions that by hobby law, I am required <laughs> to ask every yeah. guest that comes on the show. Sure. So let's get stuck into it. Question one is, how did you get into the hobby?
1: Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's, I, I can't remember specifically when. Right. Uh, I, I know when I was at school once, when yep. I was at, uh, at high school, maybe year eight, maybe year nine, I would have been, you know, 14 or 15 or whatever. Yeah. I, rem- I remember, this is the first memory I have, getting on the train and coming back home. Yes. Uh, after, after school. And I remember the guy sitting opposite me in, uh, on the train was reading a White Dwarf magazine. Right And and I remember thinking to myself, I know that this guy's into, you know, wargaming. So obviously I must have known about it before then, otherwise I wouldn't have known what White Dwarf was. But I don't have any memories from before then. Um, So maybe, you you know, I generally tell people when I was 14 or 15, that's my earliest memory of getting into gaming. Um, the 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 first time I remember seeing gaming I used to collect comics and cards trading cards yeah. you know. Um, you no, know, not so much sports cards, but, you know, more, um, you know, comic cards, Yeah, you know, Spider-Man and all that sort of business. Of course. And, and, you know, me and my friends used to hang out, you know, I grew up in Adelaide. We used to go into the city every weekend. Um, you know, Mum would give me a little bit of pocket money and we'd go off into the city and, you know, roam around and, uh, you know, cause mischief in the comic stores and all that sort of stuff. And I remember being in, uh, in Adelaide, Adelaide's changed a lot in the last, you know, 25 years or whatever, but there used to be a basement store there called tactics okay. and, uh, in the basement there, one of the big basement complex in Adelaide. And, you know, they sold, you know, comics and cards and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And they had a section for, you know, miniatures. This was back in the day, you know, just as Games Workshop was really, you know, launching out, you know, globally. But most of the miniatures you could buy there were all the single little figures for, you know, role-playing and Dungeons & Dragons. So, you know, you know all the old Ralph Partha and Ratham and, you know. Old school Blister Packs. Yeah, all the you know all the old metal Rendle and all that sort of stuff, and yeah. Um, I remember at some stage they split the shop. Yeah, they had quite a big shop, and they split it into an area. And I remember walking in there one day, and the guy who worked there, Andrew, said, "Oh, you guys can't go back there. You need to, you need to pay a membership fee, a five dollar membership fee to go back there." Right. And I was like, I was thinking, "Oh, what the hell's you know so special about that area?" And I remember peering <laughs> over like this little dividing, you know, this little dividing wall, Ooh, and I could see works. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind yeah, kind of. No, not, not. <laughs> Excuse mate. not tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, put put a shirt on. Um, th- there was a uh, some guys uh, towards the back of the the, the the what was a gaming space, um, right. playing playing this game with uh, you know miniatures all over the tabletop and. Yeah. Uh, I thought that looks fantastic. You know, I had $5 pocket money, so instead of buying, you know, more comic cards and stuff, I gave it to Andrew for my membership for the day and walked in and went over and had a look and said, what are you guys doing here? And they said, we're playing a game called Warhammer. And um, they're the two earliest memories I have. One, seeing that guy on the train, you know, reading a White Dwarf magazine that I knew about. So, obviously, this event that happened in Tactics probably occurred before that. Right. you know, my sequencing of my life events is, you know, way out of whack. But that was that was the first time I remember seeing tabletop gaming, and from there, you know, things just, you know, it's always been a relative constant in my life. You know, up and down, like most of us. You know, get to, you know, my early twenties, and you know, my, you know, professional life and stuff took over, and yeah, um, you know, fell out of the hobby, you know, for seven or eight, nine years, and and then, you know. You sort of got back into it you know as uh as you know circumstances in life change and
0: yes of course
1: uh, but yeah that was uh that was my introduction to uh tabletop gaming in the in the in the hobby in general i suppose oh
0: fantastic so looking at your hobby now uh years on if you had to class yourself would you put yourself in the camp of the gamer or the camp of the painter slash miniature builder if you had to pick one
1: if i if i had to pick one yeah <sighs> It's, it's a really difficult question. Mm. It's a really difficult question. You know, there's so many circumstances that, uh, you know, you know, roll around the periphery of this question. If I had to pick one at this point in time, then obviously it's going to be a painter. Um, But that's simply because we don't get the chance to, you know, at the moment in this current climate that we're living through at the moment, I don't, you know, we don't get a chance to get out and game. Um, But uh, you know, I go through cycles with my painting. I'm one of those people who is kind of like a a hobby butterfly. Um, I'll spend, you know, I'll I'll get into something and then just be hardcore obsessed with it for a few weeks. And then I'll roll around to the next hobby. And then I won't come back to that for months. And, you know, (laughs) painting for me is kind of like that.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: You know, I get into these massive periods where, that, you know, right now I'm working on some uh, Middle Earth figures. Oh, okay, um, that was going to be
0: my next question: was what's currently on the painting table?
1: All right, well, we'll yeah, let's let's jump into that in a second. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess as at right now I'm a painter, but you know, we we do that so that we can play games. I don't like to play games with unpainted figures. No. Um, and so, you know, I, I put a very quick paint job on most of my figures and go, that's good enough to game with. And maybe later on I'll come back and, you know, add some highlights or, you know, yeah. do stuff later on. But that rarely, rarely ever happens, Dan. <laughs> uh, um, but then, you know, at least I can play games. So right that's, now I, I'd say I'm a painter, but, you know, I, I yeah. very much prefer to play games.
0: Brilliant. And and what's this Middle Earth project that you've currently got going?
1: So I, in the last couple of years, you know, like most war gamers, I'm, you know, kind of attracted to everything yes so i i have quite a vast <laughs> collection of figures that cross you know so many different genres mm. um i did in the last couple of years sell off a whole bunch of my bronze aid stuff and ancients and you know got mm. rid of that which i'm kind of regretting now but oh, no. um Uh, you know, everything, you know, just, you know, it's all just fun and exciting and interesting to have, whether I actually play games with them or not. Some armies are just nice to have, you know, fully painted and sitting there on the shelf and you go, you know, that's just a gorgeous army to look at. Yeah. Um, But for the last couple of years, I've kind of said to myself, I need to, you know, just cut back the games that I play. It hasn't stopped me from buying, you know, rule books and stuff. You know, I've got a vast collection of rule books because they're just fun to have. Mm. Um, But, you know, cut back the games I'm going to play to Just a handful, you know, four or five games so I can get a better grip on the rules. I can get a better grip on, you know, the understanding of how the game can be played if you know more about it. Mm. Um, And Middle Earth, strategy battle game um, from Games Workshop, um, you know, previously called The Hobbit, and then yes. before that, it was the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been one of those games. And uh, so I've been, you know, painting through, you know, all different sorts of, uh, you know, MESBG stuff. You know, been, well, I'm going to say earlier this year, but, uh, you know, every time I say earlier this year, people say, actually, Viv, that was two and a half years ago. <laughs> no, um,
0: just, uh, you heard my.
1: <laughs> Well, you know, we started off here with me not really understanding when I got into tabletop gaming. That's so let's true. just continue. Let's continue the theme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> earlier this year, I went on a, a, a second-hand Middle Earth binge buying spree, wow. and uh, I bought three uh, Gondor armies, Minas Tirith armies.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, and so I've just slowly been working on my paint bench right now. Uh, not uh 89 or maybe 91 warriors of Minas Tirith, Wow. um which i'm slowly so slowly painting through there the guys armed with you know sword and shield the guys with the spears and the guys with the bows yep, the meta um, yeah that's the ones yes so um i'm slowly painting through those and um uh, you know i'm just working in batches of of eight, I've got them all set up on my painting pegs and, you know, I'm Mm. progressively been working through them, but, you know, I'm doing, you know, finishing off batches of eight, because, you know, in the old war of the rings, you know, you had movement trays with eight figures on it. Yes. Um, And, you know, that's how I display all of my uh, MESBG armies, my Lord of the Rings armies, even though, you know, they get played with individually. Um, Just having them on those movement trays just makes it easier from a storage perspective and, you know, it keeps things organized and the army, it looks like an army and. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to knock those out. Uh, you know, unfortunately, sadly, I haven't done a great deal this week since we did the the charity stream last week.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I think I've only finished off eight of them. But um, yeah, that's currently what's on my uh, on my painting table.
0: Mhm. Well that's good. Yeah, I've got uh, a couple of uh, Middle Earth strategy battle games armies. I got back into it a couple of years ago. Um... Oddly enough, I bumped into one of my old uh, games workshop colleagues that I worked with in in Melbourne back when I lived there, and he was nuts about it. And he just sort of, it was almost like the beacons were being lit again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it just well, sort of summoned me back to the fold with, uh, with There's a there's a huge game. scene
1: here in there's there's a huge scene here in Melbourne, and mm. uh, you know, I think specifically here on the west coast on the on the east coast, but um, yeah, you, you know. Uh, you know, obviously, the majority of the Australian population is on the, on, the, on the east, east coast, coast, but um, yes. uh, it's just huge. You know, there's uh, you know, been so many tournaments scheduled and cancelled, unfortunately, this yeah. year, obviously, because of everything that's going on, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is a, a repeating theme around the world. Um, that yeah. uh, you know, I can't, com- I constantly see people saying, you know, oh, the game's dead, or you know, yeah. but you know, far, far, far from it. You know, it's certainly not the you know, the age of Sigma or the 40k, you know, um. You know, equivalent or, or, yes. or, or of the same calibre, I guess you could say, from a mm-hmm. from a Games Workshop sales perspective. But you know, we're constantly getting new releases. There's new books. There's a new one coming out at the moment for the Necromancer. Yes, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so cool. many, and you know, it's just wonderful. Um, and so I've, you know, been buying up all of those and, yeah. uh, you know, very sadly haven't been able to play through a whole bunch of them. But, um, you know, very much looking forward to when, uh, you know, things start returning to normal, yeah. you know, getting some, uh, getting some figures on the table and, you know, definitely. rolling some dice and pushing some more dollies around. Looking forward yeah. to it, definitely.
0: Sounds good. I think on that note with Lord of the Rings, it's scary to think that the, the first film came out. What 20 years ago, <laughs> and yeah, 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 and there's still merchandise that's coming out, both generated by companies like Games Workshop, but other manufacturers as well. And it's just you know, clearly, yeah. there's still a market
1: for it. Oh, look, it's 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 phenomenal. Obviously, you know, Tolkien's writings and stuff have been popular for years and years and years. Actually, I was mm. watching um, a, a video on YouTube the other day with um, Rick Priestley, and oh, uh, right. not Rick Priestley. Um, oh, god, I can't remember what the hell
0: <laughs> someone
1: Well, wow, this is absolutely <laughs> terrible yeah. um and you know that they were talking about uh you know how you know in the beginning mm-hmm. uh you know games workshop really weren't sure how far this would go mm-hmm. and uh you know 20 years later you know still making money for it, it's been one of the biggest you know licenses for uh you know um the uh, genre for the ip yeah so you know they really weren't expecting you know you know they license everything you know toilet paper games you know yeah. printed, you know fabrics and all that sort of exactly. stuff and, um so yeah just just phenomenal you know i was thinking about that the other day when uh, you know because they've released the uh, the blue they released the blu-ray edition right right
0: of
1: of the 20th anniversary and yes. um yeah just uh you know phenomenal it's you know so many people love it i love it i'm looking forward to the amazon series i don't know if you've been following that at all
0: Uh, um
1: so yeah yeah i have been listening
0: to billy boyd and dominic monaghan's podcast the friendship onion oh really yeah and they've had a few different people from lord of the rings on as guests um so they do talk lord of the rings but they talk other things as well it's very entertaining
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't Definitely heard of it. It's called out. the friendship onion.
0: The friendship onion. Yeah.
1: Oh, wonderful. I'll have yeah. to, have to have to have a look at it.
0: Yeah. And uh, I guess the final uh, question in the obligatory hobby questions is what advice would you give to someone who's interested in getting into the hobby? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, if you're interested in getting into the hobby, mm. and you don't need to be convinced about getting into the hobby. Ah. Then, then you know there's 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 there's. well it depends on your question here dan you know yes. if um what advice would i give to someone what did you say what what advice would i give to someone who's interested, interested. in getting into yeah. the, interested in getting into the hobby yeah well exactly. you know this is very interesting you know um i i answered this question when i, I was uh, interviewed on the radio the other day right and and uh they the the the, the host there asked me the same question okay and and they, and they phrased it slightly differently. They, you know, they had said, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in this, or yeah. perhaps might not understand why people would be interested in this hobby? Okay, yeah. And and I said, you know, imagine you, your favourite novel, right. or imagine your favourite movie or your favorite fantasy story and yes. in your mind your book from a book perspective i am always talking about books and yes. in your mind you know, we all form a different character so when we all read lord of the rings we all formed a different character of how they looked and sounded in our mind yes when you know when we read you know you know anything from the black library you know gotrek and felix for example yes. i've been rereading through the omnibus series you know gotrek in my mind has a certain look and he sounds a certain way so yeah. does felix yes tabletop gaming allows you to you know physically and visually represent that imagination right on the ta- on the tabletop
0: yeah
1: and so if you are interested in tabletop gaming that is what it allows you to do yes mm. there's millions of games out there and there's lots of wonderful rule sets you asked me in the beginning if i'm a painter or a gamer yeah you know, i'm a bit I'm a, I'm a little bit of both but right. you know getting into this hobby allows you to realise that creative and that imaginative side, uh, you know, of, of your mind. Mm. It, on the tabletop, yes. there's so many miniatures out there now and whether you actually use them to play games or not is mildly irrelevant. Mm. Um, you, you can find a miniature to, to, to represent anything. And, 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 you know, nowadays with the advent or, or the increased prevalence of 3D printing and 3D artists and stuff, you can find a sculpt that, you know, pretty much, you know, Perfect for anything you can imagine.
0: Right. So
1: if you're if you're interested in getting into the hobby, um, then obviously I say do it. It's a wonderful hobby. It's you know the community aspect is absolutely wonderful. Mm. The social aspects are absolutely wonderful. You know it's it's great for young children yep. in terms of being able to learn not just socialisation skills, but it provides them with so many other things from you know hand-eye coordination, you yeah. know mathematics, arithmetic, and, and you know structure and logic. Yep. Um, You know, it's just, you know, a very well-rounded hobby that, you know, allows people to experience all different sorts of, you know, aspects in the one activity. Um, So my advice, uh, you'd give to someone who's interested in getting involved in the hobby? Yes. Buy buy some miniatures and sit down and start painting them.
0: (laughs) Get into (laughs) it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Uh, exactly, exactly. That's good. No,
0: it's, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100% on, you know that it, it is this kind of well-rounded activity that provides so much scope, and um, there's different points that people can focus on, whether it is the gaming or the painting or, you know, building miniatures or the, the background, as you mentioned, with like novels like Gotrek and Felix and and all of that. So yeah, there's something there for everyone, isn't there?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, exactly. Brilliant.
0: Well, let's uh, crack on and have a chat about the uh, the Knights of Dice and the uh, the Painting for Life uh, charity sure. that you uh, were involved in uh, a little while ago. But first of all, uh, for those listeners who haven't heard of Knights of Dice, um, what's it all about? Uh, you, you produce different hobby products. Uh, just kind of curious as to what what it is that Knights of Dice actually do, and and how did it get started?
1: Uh, well, so primarily at the moment, Knights of Dice we're we're primarily an MDF. A laser cutting, uh, terrain business. That's our core, our core product. You know, we've right. got over 400, 400 products across a whole bunch of different sorts of ranges. Yeah. Um, it, majority of it is 28 mil. I'm a 28 mil gamer. Nice. So, you know, working in a creative environment, I enjoy, you know, making and creating and manufacturing things that I'm you know personally interested in. So the majority of our collection is 28 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do a whole bunch of other things. We when you create custom foam trays, we have a range of carry cases and bags. Yep. Um, you know, we produce tokens and templates and all those types of accessories and cool. I have uh, several ranges of, you know, metal miniatures which are currently lying dormant in the casting room. Okay. <laughs> uh, which I, I need to, you know, fire up our spin caster and get that back, back into action. Yeah. You know, I had a, a new range of fantasy figures sculpted a couple of years ago that I, I wanted to launch on, on Kickstarter. But, um, you know, the whole pandemic sort of thing happened of and course. that threw that into, into wax. So, yeah. um, you know, but, but primarily we manufacture and, 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 and distribute. 28-millimeter scale MDF laser-cut terrain yeah. and scenery. Brilliant. And and
0: yeah. how did it all get started? What's the, the journey been like?
1: Uh, well, like most of my things, you know, I think we were just saying before, I'm a little bit of a, 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 a hobby, um, you know, schizophrenic. Um, right. You know, I, I float around in all different sorts of circles and collect all different sorts of stuff from so many different, uh, you know, companies and ranges Ooh. that, you know, Knights of Dice is currently now not what I set out to do. Right. Um, so I, I used to own a, a retail store here in, uh, in Melbourne called the Battle Bunker. Right, um, yeah. And uh, it wasn't a Games Workshop store. And I thought it was a wonderful name for the first, you know, half a year or so, uh, you know, people, we kept on getting phone calls from people saying, you know, want to come to the Warhammer event on the weekend. I'm like, we don't have a Warhammer event on the weekend. <laughs> and, and and then one day it suddenly dawned on me that, you know, Games Workshop uses the term Battle bunkers, yes. For some, for some of their very big stores, right. But um, when I was registering the name Battle Bunker, there were no trademarks in Australia registered for it. Yeah. The domain, the domain name hadn't been registered. There was no business name associations with it. So, in my mind, I'm obviously carrying around that connection with Games Workshop and Battle Bunker. Mm. Uh, uh, um. But you know, subconsciously, but. You know, when I'm saying to myself, oh, the Battle Bunker sounds like a great name for a game store. Yeah. Obviously, because in my subconscious, I've had this term rattling around for years. Of
0: course.
1: And, and anyway, I, I ran that store for a couple of years. And then, you know, I, I closed that down right. uh, to, you know, to go back into software development. Mm. And after a couple of years, I thought I, I kind of miss... All the social interaction you know we had a very big yeah. gaming space we had 18 6 by 4 set up and you know we'd have different sorts of events on the weekends and club nights and painting competitions i kind of missed the social interaction
0: yeah
1: of of that type of environment yeah and so i thought i'll, st- I'll start a new store okay. so I, ra- I actually ran a worldwide competition i, I set up a, uh, a website called name my through my rubbish in rubbish out channel on, on uh, YouTube, which yep. at the time probably had you know, 14, 15,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. You know, we ran this competition and um, the name Knights of dice came out from uh, uh, actually one of my friends in Scotland. Uh, um, right. They had suggested Knight of the dice. And I said, I'll get rid of the, I'll get rid of the and just yes. call it Knights of dice. Yeah. And uh, because we were only planning to open in the evenings at night, um, Oh, I see
0: what
1: you did there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people could come and play games. So I thought, you know, Knights of Dice would be a great name for a retail store. Mm. So, you know, all the rigmarole happens, you know, go through, make sure that, you know, you can register everything, make sure there's no trademarks, make sure domain names are available, you know, make sure all the social medias are available. (laughs) Went through, did all of that, found a, you know, found a location and a premises, go through all the lease negotiations and arrangements. Yeah. Signed a lease mm-hmm. and and then we had a whole bunch of problems oh, no. um, with with the venue. And the, the owner, unfortunately, you know, was quite an elderly man in that area. Uh, you know, this was in Northcote here in uh, just outside Melbourne. Yeah. Um, he owned many, many buildings on that street and uh, right. on, on the high street. He was quite unwell and trying to get the roof and stuff fixed that was in a lease just was very, very difficult to oh, get organised
0: no. Yeah. and
1: um and then one day i got a call from the agent saying you know we're cancelling the lease Oh no. and we, we, we're terminating the lease and i was like you can't terminate the lease you know we have a, this is a commercial lease arrangement you can't terminate yeah. it oh. and they said actually well you know there's a clause here that they that, that they added to the lease that i didn't see i didn't read oh, it no. because um i just assumed it was a commercial you know th- yeah. the same as all the other commercial leases that i've read and signed over the years
0: yes exactly that
1: uh I just thought, okay, yes, yeah, skim, 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 skim. Yep, everything looks yeah. normal here. You know, standard Real Estate Institute of Victoria, you know, commercial lease agreement, sign and send it off. But they put a clause in there that I didn't read oh. that allowed either party to cancel the lease within oh. the first 60 days. Oh, no. And so they cancelled it. And I was like, oh, well, you know, just as well. You know, retail is a super tough game. Oh, it is, yeah. You know, wasn't super keen to get back into it. I was just missing the social interaction more really than the whole retail of things. So I thought, fuel skipped a time bomb there. Um, Fast forward a couple of years and, you know, at this stage, you know, my retail store has been closed for a long time. I don't know how much time you've got, Dan. You know, I have a really bad tendency to ramble. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, fast fast forward a couple of years and, you know, I'm back into software development. I still have a whole host of stuff from you know my old battle bunker store you know boxes and boxes of terrain gaming stuff you know old stock which i just didn't clear out and yeah and my wife said look i'm tired of all this stuff being you know she is (laughs) you know taken up you know every corner of the house and you know the hot the garage was full of stuff and and so i said i have that you know i've got to say dan you know my wife kim is the most uh, you know, understanding and the most supportive person, you know, yes. uh, and you know my life was, by
0: the oh,
1: just a absolutely remarkable and, and wonderful woman. I, I, oh. I've been truly blessed. Yes. Um, and so I said to her, you know, our software company at that stage was doing real well. I said, I want to rent a small storage unit. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe the, the size of a four car garage or something, I can put all my stuff in, you yes. know, I can, you know, put all my home brewing equipment in there and, yeah. you know, put all my you know tabletop gaming stuff. And she was like, fine, no worries. So we started, we started looking around for a small storage unit that, you know, I could access whenever I wanted yeah. and you know, like most things I do, Dan, it rapidly escalated oh, no. from, <laughs> it rapidly escalated from, you know, just this small storage unit. And before you know it, I'd leased a 380 square meter warehouse. Um, wow. And and I just had all my toys there, you know. For a, a year or so, we I'd catch up with all my friends there. We'd have little, you know, painting days and small yeah. little tournaments and stuff. And sounds like living the dream. Oh, uh, it was It was a massive glorified man cave, you know. <laughs> had all my ga- had all my gaming stuff there. My homebrewing stuff was there, you know. Oh, I had perfect. had you know motorbikes and my car and stuff there. And oh. um, and then you know, eventually after a little while, you know, it got to the point where you know, this extravagance was just a little bit too extravagant. Oh, uh, of course. You know, my, you know, my wife said, you know, the warehouse is great fun, but, you know, if you want to keep it, we've kind of got to generate some income from it. Yes. And so I, so I said, okay, look, I'm sure I could do that. So I thought I'll get back into commission terrain making, which I used to do a lot of when I had yep. my retail store. Mm.
0: You know, building,
1: painting, and selling terrain sets.
0: Yeah.
1: So I thought I'd buy a cheap Chinese laser cutter. Yeah. To, to kick things off. Right. And, and uh, again, very rapidly, things got very badly out of control. Oh no. With, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's the whole theme of my life, Dan. Right. You know, w- within the space of three months, I reckon, we, we went from, you know, spending three and a half thousand dollars on a, you know, little cheap, you know, red laser cut up from eBay. Yeah. To, to buying that warehouse.
0: Right. And, wow. And,
1: investing a quarter of a million dollars in you know some you know really high-end uh trotec lasers uh from Austria. Um I I bought a whole bunch of casting equipment, you know, yeah. for spin casting and, and, and resin casting and yeah. you know be, before you know it, you know <laughs> what used to be a glorified man cave is now a business heavily invested. Carrying yeah. some fairly, carrying some fairly heavy leases around, and um, <laughs> you know, fast forward six years, you know, we, we are where we are now. Yeah, it's a, it's been a it's been a bit of a crazy ride, and uh, you know, yeah, I, sounds I, like I, an absolute I don't think, roller
0: coaster.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I you know I love everything that I do, and yep. uh, you know, this uh, the industry has been, you know, both good and bad to me, but um. I'm I love sure it, you and uh,
0: write a book about it.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> maybe you know, maybe at some stage. I, I've had a, I've had a wonderful time in this. For you know, yeah. I'm, I'm forty, I'm I'm forty four now. So, oh, right. um, you know, for for twenty years of my life, mm. um, you know, more more than more than that, thirty years of my life. Right. Um, you know. I don't know. I'm not good with numbers. That's
0: fine. 20,
1: 25, 26 years. You know, it's been, it's been, it's been wonderful. So, yeah. yeah, You know, that's a little bit of background about you know how we have ended up, or how I have ended up where I am at the moment. Yeah, um, quite with, the
0: journey.
1: With Knight's Dice. yeah. You know, yes. like a a hobby taken out of control, basically.
0: Well, yeah. You've you've kind of reined it in, <laughs> and, and you know broken it in and, and now you can ride off into the sunset
1: well you know it's 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 been great fun you know subsequently my software business has collapsed but um oh. you know and, and 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 now you know knights of dice is my sole income oh, and you, uh, you know certainly covid has had, had has been difficult for us and yeah. put some, you know put a few breaks on but I, you know i'm sure we'll talk about that at some stage because well, it's was, uh, you know
0: i was going to actually ask you you did mention about those um fantasy models that you had to put on hold uh because of the 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 uh, yeah. lockdowns and the pandemic, but I was, I was curious to know what, because um, chatting to uh, industry professionals like yourself on the show, it's interesting to hear how everybody's had sort of different experiences when it comes to running their hobby business during the pandemic and and the different challenges they've faced and how they've overcome them. So I was curious to sort of uh, tap on that and, and hear how you made it through the uh, the pandemic and lockdowns.
1: Well, you know, this is a certainly an interesting question. I don't yeah. know if I've made it. I don't know if I've made it through yet. And you know, we well, just need to. You know, so have you survived
0: <laughs> thus far? <laughs> uh,
1: can't, yeah, yes, yes, and no, yes and no. Look, right. you know, it's it is interesting. You know, you said you know, speaking to different industry people, you know, the experiences have varied. You know, between mm. people that I know and talk to as well. Yeah. You know, Some people have just, you know, just come launching out of the gates and have done incredibly well. Mm. Uh, You know, other people have, you know, really struggled. At the the beginning of this uh, whole pandemic situation, you know, here in Australia specifically, you know, Mm. we had a whole bunch of government incentives and, you know, state-based, you know, business initiatives that were really throwing money out into the community to keep everybody going while, you know, everyone's jobs were locked down people were losing jobs you know there was a whole bunch of government support and because of that we saw a massive spike in sales right um direct to customer obviously you know my retail sales off to the retail stores and you'll be know, deal with you know 38 40 different retail stores yeah um you know all of those dropped off shows conventions all of that dropped off mm. but luckily it was all supported or or, or you know you know, helped sustained by an increase in direct-to-customer orders. Right. Um, but, you know, that was all boosted by, you know, government incentives and, and, you know, and, you know, stimulus packages. And obviously those couldn't last forever. And we saw a significant change in September last year mm. where, you know, the government wasn't providing, you know, those billion-dollar support packages and stuff anymore. Mm. And, you know, things really started to uh, slow down. Right. Uh, from September onwards and you know I you know, the, the, this story is similar to several of other Australian businesses that are you know I've spoken to yeah. I know it's been difficult uh, different for for some organizations in the UK in the US yeah. you know businesses have really done quite well during this pandemic mm. um, but we saw a big slowdown from September onwards last year um, and you know very 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 sadly you know uh, you know in March this year I had to let uh, my brother aki go he he um, used to work uh, four days a week yeah. he used to uh, you know run all the manufacturing run all the lasers and all that sort of stuff right i also had to let scott go scott reed absolutely mm. fantastic designer responsible for 80% of the mdf terrain kits in our ranges yeah. just you know good friend of mine he used to work for me you know a decade ago at the battle bunker right. and um you know, I brought him back on to uh, to, to, to work with me again at Nights of Dice six years ago, mm. and um, you know, you know, just uh, we we just couldn't uh, couldn't afford to keep him on, sadly. Oh, that's um, a shame. So you know, things things have really slowed down since September last year, and right. um, you know, we're just barely managing to to you know keep things going. Okay. Um, you know, the situation specifically here in Victoria has been quite bad. Yeah. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, I joked earlier on at the beginning, you know, lockdown capital of, uh, of the world. And, and it, right. actually is, it actually is now, you know. Yeah, I think you're in your uh, sixth lockdown, is it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, our sixth, sixth lockdown, you know, right. over 250 days in lockdown mm. out of the last year and a half. So, wow. Um, you know, my daughter's, you know, only been at school for, you know, a little over a term in wow. the last year and a half. Well, that's crazy. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's been full on, you know, I've, I've had to be home. My wife is also a teacher, so she teaches, um, you know, she's working from home at the moment. Yeah. So I stay home during the day to, you know, do the homework and the, the school school work with my daughter, Charlotte. She's, uh, yeah. she, she'll be eight shortly. She's in year two. So I stay home during the day to do that work with her. And then I go to the studio in the evening and I'm there until, you know, three or four o'clock every night. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, come back and get up a couple of hours later on and do it all again. Wow. Um, so, so it's, it's certainly been challenging. It's been, a, yeah. it's been a very difficult time and uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, the situation changing because, you know, yeah. it, it had gotten to a point, you know, six weeks or, or so ago, uh, a month, six weeks ago where, you know, I really had been broken. I was in a really yeah. bad frame of mind right. and, um, you know, just, you know, n- not, 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 not doing very, very well at all. So, oh. you know,
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that things are improving for
1: you. Well, specifically over the last couple of weeks, you know, things have really been great. You know, not necessarily for Knights of Dice, that's still a struggle and, you know, it'll take a little bit of time to rebuild things and get things back on track once, you know, World economies and stuff start opening up. We can start having shows and conventions again, and um, there's definitely a path there. But for me specifically, personally, from a mental health and a positivity perspective, the last couple of weeks have just been crazy. You know, just just wonderful. Um, You know, a slight shift in my thinking, and uh, you know, some wonderful painting sessions online with friends, and um, you know, things have just you know really you know come together um and you know I'm, I'm feeling really good i'm feeling really positive i'm super excited Great. about lots of possibilities here at knights of dice yeah and I, I just can't wait until we can start you know opening up a little bit more i can start getting back to to the studio during the day and spending some proper time at the studio and you know yeah. just forge on with a whole bunch of exciting projects i'm, oh, I'm sounds, really looking forward to it
0: sounds amazing we'll have to stay tuned for that um, yeah definitely you you did touch upon earlier about your um online presence as well um being a content creator on on youtube as well Um, and the knights of dice channel and your other channel the rubbish in rubbish out there's quite a lot of hobby videos on there sure Um, talking with other content creators uh it's always again interesting to hear how they get their ideas and how they (laughs) approach putting together their content so i was was wondering if i could pick your brain about that and you know Uh, yeah how do you go about getting your content out there
1: well the, this is a really interesting question. Um yeah. because, you know I was, I was chatting um you know obviously being here in Australia the time differences between you know our two countries the UK yes. and Australia is really significant. Yeah. The, the the hobby scene obviously the UK you know I think we can all agree that the you know the UK is the the birthplace and of you know course. the godfather and the centre yeah. of tabletop wargaming. Yes. Um there's so much content that comes out of the UK, and you know a lot of live content that comes out of the UK. Mm. But you know, quite sadly, I can't catch a lot of that. Uh, catch a lot of that content live because of the time difference. Mm. Anyway, a couple. Of, you know, I was going to say a couple of weeks ago, but you know, Dan, we've been through this yes, already. It's time couldn't... is <laughs> fluid. <laughs> I'm just. I, I'm just going to say recently. Yes. I was. Uh, I managed to catch a stream, a, a live stream from. Um, Elstonation. I don't, I don't know if you've had a chat with Paul Elston from Elstonation. No. He, uh, he, he has a, a YouTube channel that um, has been around for a long time. Cool. So back in the day when I had uh, my Rubbish In, Rubbish Out channel on YouTube, it was very much a, a hobby-related channel. Yes. Um, you know, it slowly progressed as, uh, you know, I opened up my retail store. I used mm-hmm. that same channel to, you know, do a lot of the content that we had at the gaming store. Mm-hmm. And I was chatting with Paul. His channel was around at the same time, you know, a decade ago. Um and I was chatting with him about, you know, during his live stream, it was actually, it was a wonderful, wonderful interaction, you yeah. know, you know, with someone who'd been around, you know, on YouTube for, you know, a decade, how significantly everything has changed. Yeah. And, and and more specifically in the last couple of years, mm. you know, when, when I was in my heyday um, on, on YouTube, 20,000 subscribers meant you were fucking massive. Sorry. Yeah. But I don't, no, I don't, go the, for the, it. I don't know if we're allowed to swear or not. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't let it out already. Right. <laughs> uh, um, you know, 20,000 20, subscribers, yes. you know, you had a massive channel. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, you know, 20,000 kind of means, okay, well, you might get there or you might not. You know, yeah. we're looking at channels like, you know, Age of Squidmar um, yes. with Emile's yeah. channel with, you know, a quarter of a million subscribers yeah. and, Huge. you know, Miscast. Yeah, just massive. Trent Trent from Miscast, he's here in Adelaide, you know, he's rocking around on yeah. 160,000 subscribers. Right. Major Kill, another Australian, you know, yeah. rocking out on, you know, a quarter of a million subscribers. Yeah. You know, the the if we call it an industry, the yeah. industry has changed. Right. Content has changed. Yes. How that content gets produced has changed. You know, in, in my heyday, I, and it, it, this all comes back down. We will get an answer to your question shortly. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, b- back in my back in my day, you know, you just it was people and uh, you know, um, <laughs> Paul from Elster Nation had mentioned this. He's, you know, back in the day, it was about the hobby. Right. Nowadays, it's about the editing. Pre- Previously, you know, you just used to be able to put your camera on, you yeah. know, walk around, talk about your hobby, you know, show a few things, maybe do some simple cuts to, you know, you know, just make the video, you know, presentable. Yes. And, um, and you can put it up online and, you know, people would chill out and watch it and, you know, have a good time.
0: Yeah, it's ready to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you can still do that today. And, you know, thousands of people do. And yeah. there's lots of wonderful content out there. But if you want to be a content creator who is going to be a content creator, if you want Mm -hmm. to be a YouTuber, Mm -hmm. uh, if if you, you know, my daughter is always saying she's eight years old and we'll we'll be eight shortly um, in a couple of weeks, you know, I want to be a YouTuber, dad. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, (laughs) it's, it's a career opportunity these days, right? You can be, you can be a YouTuber. If you want to be a YouTuber, you can't just, you know, put the camera on, talk about what you've done last week and upload it to YouTube.
0: No.
1: If you look look at any of these big channels, like Guy from Midwinter Minis. Yeah. You know, his channel, all of these big channels, they they are like content that is produced in a movie studio or a TV studio.
0: No, there's definitely production value behind it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back in the day when Beasts of War launched on YouTube, yeah. And I remember I was sitting in my room. I'd just come back from work, and up popped this video from a, a you know a new channel called Beasts of War. Yep. They had 15 subscribers when I saw that video.
0: Wow, there we go.
1: And and I was like, holy shit! Mm. Where the hell did these guys come from? Mm. This is like a, this is like a fucking TV show. This is crazy. Yeah. Oh, they make and- some amazing content just you know in 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 that age it was quite literally you know just us hobbyists putting our camera on and sharing what we're doing you know yeah um and then you know beast of war dropped on the scene maybe at that stage mini war gaming probably was the biggest channel with all you know all their battle reports oh, and yeah. all that sort yeah, of stuff
0: yeah yeah that, that's what they do isn't it
1: yeah 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 and then beast of war drop out of nowhere mm. and all of a sudden the whole landscape the, the landscape is different yeah um so coming back to the question <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about where do I get my inspiration from and, you know, what ideas do I get and how do I go about creating my content? Yes. Well, you know, it's it's a, certainly a challenge for me because, you know, I, I frequently tell people I feel like a bit of a, a dinosaur who's trying to still remain relevant because, mm. you know, I come from the period, you know, where you could just, you know, create some simple content, do yeah. a couple of quick edits. You didn't really need to have music. You didn't really right. need to have lighting. It didn't really matter too much what your visuals are like. As long mm. as you had the sound, it was kind of okay. Um, to, you know, just recently trying to say, listen, I'm going to spend a little bit more time, you know, trying to rebuild a presence on YouTube yeah. to, you know, all of a sudden discovering like these mega channels yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like someone who's just time travelled. You mm. know, you've just gone 50 years into the future and you, you wake up and you walk outside and you go, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, it's all changed. Everything is different. Yeah. Um, so whilst trying to contend with that shift in the production quality mm. and presentation of content on youtube mm. i think the general you know ideas are the same where, where yeah. do you get your ideas and inspiration from well obviously we work in a creative environment yeah. you know you can only create good content and interesting content uh, about things that you're specifically interested in of course and And I've seen a a bunch of people talk about this. Guys touched on it from Midwinter Minis. I heard Trent talk about it in one of his videos. A lot of these bigger YouTube, uh, I'll call them YouTubers, um, have have all touched on it where they've all had these moments where they're like, this is a difficult job. Mm. I'm I'm trying to create content that is relevant, Mm. that is going to get the views, is going to get the sponsorships. And, you know, I'm not always sure if the content that I want to produce is going to be relevant to, you know, enough of a market that allows yeah. me to earn an income from it.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: and so, you know, with that consideration in mind, yeah. and, you know, not really wanting to be a YouTuber, mm. um, for me, it's a little bit easier. And for a, a vast, the vast majority of just, you know, content creators, it's yeah. a little bit easier. Make videos about the things that you're interested in and excited about. Yeah. Um, You know, as long as you've got, you know, a relatively clear image, as long as your sound is good. You know, I, you know, I've I've got a a bunch of friends who are involved in the, you know, the music industry in uh, in the film industry.
0: Yeah. And
1: and they all say it doesn't really matter too much what your video looks like. Yeah. As long as it sounds good.
0: Ah, right. Because,
1: well, yeah, a, a lot of people now are watching on their mobile phones. Yeah. A lot of people are, you know, walking around with, you know, earbuds and stuff, you know, whatever they're called, you know, Apple AirPods or whatever they're called in their ears and stuff. All
0: those young um, whippersnappers are using these days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. That, uh, you know, you want the audio quality to be good. As as long as something is interesting to listen to, then, you know, people will be there to, to, to listen. You know, I quite often have YouTube videos playing in the background. I know a lot of people listen to podcasts. I've never been a big podcast person, like this one. I've (laughs) never been, I've never been a big podcast person, but, um, you know, I enjoy having them on in the background sometimes, and mm. I enjoy having videos playing on in the background. I um, might not watch the
0: same.
1: Yeah. I, I might not watch it, but um, you know, this is specifically why I enjoy live streams um mm. and just listen to them in the background because you know, you're you have that feeling like you're there with them.
0: Exactly. That
1: at this point in time, I am in the room with that person whilst this is happening. Yeah. And and uh, you know, it just gives the whole um you know, situation a little bit more you know, energy. Um, Definitely. So look, it's, it's certainly a, a challenge and, a, and, a, and a, for me it has been a difficult process in terms of, you know, how I've, uh, you know, seen the mm. content on YouTube evolve, huh? uh, you know, back in the day you know i produced you know almost a video every day on my old rubbish in rubbish out channel there's you know i don't know how many videos are there maybe maybe 600 maybe 700 i don't know loads um and some of them really really bad (laughs) Um, you know some of them are good but at that stage it didn't matter you know i wasn't trying to be YouTuber, it didn't really matter you know i didn't care about the views and you know i just you know film something put it up on youtube yep. you know i had what core group of people who i knew, know would watch like paul for example from Elster nation yep. um and a whole bunch of these other old school youtubers who, who i knew would watch that and you know we'd all have a chuckle and laugh and yeah. you know, that that was our interaction facebook wasn't really around back then or you know what certainly wasn't as big as it is now right um you know that was our social media. You know, yeah. two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Um, you know, I, my my YouTube channel started. If you look it up, you know, started in two thousand and six.
0: Wow.
1: Um, you know, it's uh, you know, and this is this is why I say I feel like I'm a bit of a dinosaur, because wow. you know I've I've seen that platform change. Actually, yeah. I posted up on Facebook recently. Um, you know, Facebook uh, YouTube used to have this honor roll. Uh, sort of system where you know it it, it would give you awards based on you know daily views and all that sort of stuff and right yeah you know i I had a video from 2006 that was the the number 68 was ranked the 68th most watched video in australia on youtube that day wow um, and you know we're talking we're talking about toy soldiers, right? So it just yeah. it just goes it just goes to show you how small that YouTube community was at that stage, oh, where a, a video boring. about a nerd yeah. sitting in his garage talking about toy soldiers <laughs> yeah. was the 68th most watched video in Australia. Yeah. um Just and and to, to see where things are now is just crazy. It is um, indeed. Yeah. But, but yeah, if you want if you want to make uh, content, create it about things that you are excited and interesting and interested about because that comes across on camera. If if you're, if you're unsure what you're talking about, then, you know, that's not going to come through well and uh, people and people won't watch it, but uh, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're excited about it, press the red record button, shoot some content, do a couple of quick edits and just get it out there. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I was going to flip the coin on this one and just, if we take things offline, Um, with Knights of Dice and go back to the before times, um, back when Mm -hmm. things were open and and the world was what we recognized it as. Um, Yeah, I was just curious as to how Knights of Dice got involved in the local hobby community, because you mentioned that you, back in the Battle Bunker days, obviously that was a big part of your business and your motivation for being in that business. So have you continued that on with the
1: Knights of Dice? Uh, Indirectly. Indirectly, yes. Um, So, predominantly, most of the community interaction that Knights of Dice has, in the beginning, before, Mm. you know, we we grew and we kept on growing and, you know, we ran out of space in the warehouse, Mm. we... We used to host painting evenings there. You know, right. we'd have some, we'd have some small events and you know yeah. run some workshops and stuff there. You know, harking back to those old days that I used to really enjoy at the Battle Bunker, where you know I used to run uh, workshops on the weekends and you know people would come in and game and we'd hang out and paint and talk and just you know enjoy the hobby from yeah. a social and a, you know community perspective but as knights of dice grew and um you know more equipment came in and you know i'd have less and less space for you know setting up six foot by four foot gaming tables um i I had to very sadly put an end to all of that yeah and you know so most of the community orientated activities that uh, knights of dice has been involved in has predominantly been sponsorship you know providing sponsors uh uh, providing prizes and stuff to uh, you know tournament organizers and all that sort of stuff but yeah um you know, outside of that, which you know, from a hobby perspective, is not terribly exciting. You know, it's it's wonderful to be able to support people's events, and that's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. But you know, th- 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 that's a far cry from sitting down and painting with people, or you know, rolling dice and having fun.
0: Yeah. um
1: And so I started uh, maybe five years ago, mm-hmm. four years ago. It was a couple of years after Nights of Dice kicked off. Yes. I was, I said, I'm really missing the social interaction. I'm really missing the community in, in, engagement. So I st- and you know, so I started a new gaming club here in the in the north of Melbourne called Axes and Ales.
0: Oh. Um,
1: we not, you know, I am not a huge uh, weekend person. A lot of the gaming clubs here in Melbourne operate on the weekends. Yeah. And um, for for me, you know, my weekends at that stage uh, were very much a home thing. You know, I, I I wanted to spend that time at home with my wife and my daughter and, you know, just enjoy enjoy some home time. And, you know, there were no real gaming clubs that were close to me. Everything was at least a 40 minute drive away, maybe an hour drive away. Obviously it's hard uh, to
0: maintain that sort of work and home life balance whilst also making time for your hobby.
1: Oh 100% I have yeah. no work life balance you oh, know okay. uh, you know <laughs> it's it, this is what I was saying before my wife is yeah. absolutely you know a one in a million person you know uh, my 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 pretty much my entire life revolves around tabletop gaming around the yeah. hobby even mm. even my daughter she, you know she could pick out a T34 tank at the age of 2 wow. um that's a school you know, life yeah. <laughs> it's gone in a resume, down for sure um <laughs> You know, she's she's painted an ancient Celt army. Yes, they're wow. all purple and green and blue. and But, you know, she painted it. She based it. She did that when she was three and four. Mm-hmm. Um you know, th- it is my passion, it is my whole life, and it is, it, it is you know, what I love. And I'm so thankful that I have a wife who gives me the opportunity to really <laughs> embrace that and enjoy it. Yes. But what I was missing was that community engagement. You know, I'd spent yeah. so long in the warehouse, you know, manufacturing different sorts of products, right. boxing up and shipping out orders every day all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so I started Axes an Nails. Um, yeah. that was sponsored by Knights of Dice. So, you know, all of the terrain, you know, setups we had at the studio, a whole bunch of old stuff from my old Battle Bunker days. I donated all of that to, um, right. or, or loaned it all to Axes and Ales. Mm-hmm. And one of my, one of my friends, um, mm-hmm. he had recently started a brewery just around the corner from me, a 600 meter walk, um, mm. from, from my house Handy. and, uh, yeah, 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 very handy. And um, I said to him one day when I was there, I was like, how many people do you get in here on a Wednesday? And he was like, you're, you're looking at it. And there were maybe 10 people there. <laughs> no, just some <laughs> that
0: was
1: it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like a brew pub. They're like a, yeah. a, small, brew, a small brewery. So their, their brewery consisted of, of a small brewery set up, a couple of thousand litres, and yes. then a brew pub, you know, all their beer on tap and stuff, and a small kitchen. Yeah.
0: Nice.
1: And so, so I said, you know, if I can bring 30 dudes in here every Wednesday, how much will it cost me? And he said, dude, if you can get 20 guys in here every Wednesday, you can just use the space for free. Nice. Um, and so I started Axes and Hours Gaming Club. We started gaming there every Thursday because by the time I got everything organized, it was a year later. Yeah. Um, and Wednesdays wasn't available anymore. And then, oh, okay. Fair enough. you know, for, for a couple of years, we would game at the back of the brewery there every Thursday night, you know, <laughs> Being, being a pub, Dan, you know, yeah. depends on who was working. If Tash was working there, she'd turn the lights all the way down like it was in a pub. Um, and so we, we would have lamps and stuff set up. You know, I remember being there sometimes <laughs> when people were playing Blood Bowl with their mobile phones out oh no. uh, so, so they could see, see what they were doing. It was a great environment. It was a great atmosphere. The food was great. The beer was delicious. If yeah. we could have just had some lights on, it would have been spectacular.
0: Wow. Um, you can't have everything.
1: No, well, you know that would be unreasonable.
0: That
1: would <laughs> totally, be. totally unreasonable. And then COVID happened. Oh, yeah, um, of course. And and then you know, obviously, you know the you know the club had to shut down. Yes. Um, subsequently, the brewery to survive during COVID uh, put in a, a you know a packaging line, mm. so they could package their beer to push out through more retail outlets and sell online. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, as things, you know, we touched very briefly before. You know, this is our sixth lockdown here in Victoria. Mm-hmm. As things opened up and closed, you know, you know, we just didn't have the space anymore to, you know, go back and game in the in the brewery. Um, but you know, thankfully, you know, we've we've been able to uh, move into our new home, the Thornbury Bowls Club, which is again, you know, a little bit further around the corner from me, not that far, but you know, a yeah. ten minute walk. Far, far, far you're close enough for me to have a few drinks and then you know stumble back home. Nice. Um, and you know it's it's been absolutely wonderful there. Quite sadly, we've only had maybe four or five sessions there in between you know all the various lockdowns.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but uh, you know from a from a community engagement. Uh, perspective, you know that's you know that's the, the, the that's how I roll. You know, Knights of Dice yeah. very much specifically is orientated around you know providing sponsorship and prize support to you know tournament organisers. Yeah. Um, and then I get, I get my creative outlet and get to you know be involved in the facilitation of community engagement, which is something I have always loved, and it was the reason I had a, a big gaming space for the Battle Bunker, was. Yeah not necessarily because i got to play games or i got to paint miniatures but Mm. because i helped facilitate the creation of a space or an environment that allowed other people to enjoy that yeah Uh, and for me that that gives me the biggest thrill the biggest joy in this hobby is being able to make sure that other people can say this is my hobby and i love it yeah uh, definitely you know, a decade later, I'm still meeting people now through Knights of Dice who saying, you know, I still catch up with people that I met at the Battle Bunker of, you know, a decade, 12 years ago, and yeah. they're still friends today. And, you know, they're my friends today because, you know, we met at your store oh, and, that's, um, that's, that's, you, that's, that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's the, yeah, it's the best, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah.
0: Now, speaking of feelings, um, not that we're going to launch into a, a massive share session of our feelings, but, um, you recently had the Painting for Life charity event, which uh, raised money for Beyond Blue, uh, a charity there in Australia that fights uh, all sorts of uh, uh, issues like depression. And um, uh, I mean, you, you'll obviously be able to speak more about it than I could um, sure. Sure. with your involvement in the event. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, it, I. I I didn't catch much of it, but it'd be good to know what, what the event was, how it all came about, uh, sure. what, was, what was the result of it, um, and, you know, a bit more about your involvement in uh, Beyond Blue.
1: Yeah. So, okay, so let's, let's briefly just start with Beyond Blue. And, yeah. You know, people, people, you know, obviously here in Australia, uh, it'll be a little bit more relevant to than people overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, Beyond Blue is a charity organisation. As mm-hmm. you said, it uh, provides support services to people who are uh, suffering from or affected by mm-hmm. uh, anxiety, depression, or suicide. Right. They are, they have a, a counselling, uh, you know, hotline or you know a a support service that, uh, yeah. you know, you can phone to, you know, get help from. They run a whole bunch of different sorts of community-orientated activities to help raise awareness and to raise money for, you know, quite a very significant issue that uh, affects, you know, one in six people worldwide, yeah. um, you know, mental health, anxiety, depression, and suicide. Yeah, definitely. So this whole Painting for Life sort of event, yeah. it was a 24-hour uh, live stream uh, that we ran recently um, mm-hmm. it came about because I have a personal connection to beyond blue right um, I've used their services in the past mm-hmm. um, to when when I was in a very very you know you know dark period right. uh, of, of my life this yeah. had happened just before I closed my retail store there yeah. were a whole plethora plethora is a great word Dan yes, there was a plethora is. <laughs> there were a plethora of, of situations occurring around me. And I was in a oh, very, right. very, you know, deep state of depression. Oh. Um, in 2011 I attempted suicide. Oh, um, and you know, quite luckily, um, you know, uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, saved there, you know, ironically by my father who apparently I had phoned, mm. um, and he got very concerned and, and came yeah. around to my house. Um, And after that, you know, after I was released, you know, I was in hospital for a while, you know, after I was released from hospital, you know, I'm talking to, you know, my psychologist and psychiatrist and, you know, all these other people. And, you know, Beyond Blue was there for me, you know, in the evenings or, you know, at times when, you know, I just wanted to talk to somebody and, you know, just being able to pick up the phone, phone their support, you know, hotline and just, you know, and just talk. Yeah. Was a massive... Uh, part of you know, uh, my recovery, um, and so fast forward to now. So, this is that you know, that's what Beyond Blue does, and you can you can find out more, um, you know, just by searching Beyond Blue and you know, Google that up, or yeah, um, we'll
0: put a link to their website in the uh, episode description. So, the listeners, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, I can give you the URL, you can throw it in the show notes or whatever, yeah, um. If you do need that, you know, support, there are lots of organisations in Australia. I chose right. Beyond Blue because I have a personal, uh, you know, experience with them in yes. the past, a decade ago. But, um, you know, fast forward to now yeah. and, you know, all of the stuff that's going on right now all across oh, the world course. with, you know, you know, all this pandemic sort of stuff. And, and, you know, specifically here in Victoria where, you know, I've mentioned this a few times now. Yeah, the the lockdown capital of the the world. There are so many people struggling. There are so many people out of work. My business has been badly affected, Um, you know, and, you know, I had gotten to the point, as I, you know, touched on, you know, earlier where, you know, I I had quite a – Well, I say a significant breakdown. It was significant enough for me to say I'm recognising some of the symptoms that are happening here. I'm recognising some of my triggers. I remember some of the things that have happened from, you know, a decade ago, and I remember Mm. some of the counselling. There's a problem here and I need to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. and, you know, when I was, you know, mowing the lawn on a Friday morning in my dressing gown, I hadn't slept. <laughs> I'd, been, I'd been drinking all night. I was mowing my front lawn in my dressing gown, drinking, Sorry. you know, uh, dr- drinking some red wine and my neighbours were walking past. And, and I was like, hey, how are you going? And like, are you all right, Viv? And I was like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> um, oh, no. And, and you know. I had a couple of quick wake up moments and some, you know, really, yeah. you know, great sessions with some friends that I was like, "This people are struggling, you know. How can what can I do? Yeah, to help mm. because those online hobby hangouts with my friends, Ara hardwood from Manor Press, you know, my friend Edward Jones here, you know, uh, a couple of other people, you know, hanging out just, you know, painting miniatures." You know, mm. I did a 12-hour session once with Ed. You know, it was just, a, you know, let's do a, a challenge. Let's paint miniatures for 12 hours. Let's just hang out. Let's just talk hobby. You know, yeah. we can't go with each other. We can't get out. We can't play games. You know, mm. we, we, you know Dan, we have a curfew here at the moment. You know, wow. we're, not outside, we're not allowed outside our house after 9 o'clock. You know, oh. between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m., we have to be inside our houses. Right. Um, unless you have a specific permit, yeah. a, a, a permit to be outside of your house. You we know, very we're, draconian. Uh, It's just been, it's been full on. It's been full on. And those painting sessions had helped me so much that I was like, you know, what can I do to help? And then my friend, Ed, you know, we've done a a bunch of challenges together. You Mm -hmm. know, we did a 24 hour challenge last year. We both painted a massive amount of Rohan figures. He did his Rohan. I did my my Rohan. Mm -hmm. Um, He he was saying, let's do another 12 hour challenge. Viv. Some of my friends want to get involved you know, we'll all pitch in 20 bucks, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll all, you know, add $2 to that pot for each miniature that we paint. Let's sit down, you know, we'll jump into Google meets or on discord or something. We'll paint miniatures for 12 hours and have some fun.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, that was all well and good, fine. But you know, we've, we've spoken a few times down how I get slightly out of control (laughs) with, with, with the things that I do. Yeah. And so, uh, two weeks before that was scheduled to happen, you know, we were chatting uh, on our on our Facebook group on on on, uh, on Facebook, and um, in our in our group chat, yeah. and I said I'm super keen to do 24 hours, and the other guys were like, "Oh well, I can't do 24 hours. We'll, I'll do the 12," and I said, "Well, I'll do 24, and I might stream it uh, on on YouTube so people can join in and you know paint, yeah, and I might register a you know." a registered campaign with beyond blue so people can donate money. Yeah. And I might contact a whole bunch of the people that I know from YouTube and in the industry and stuff to come on the show as guests. Nice. And I might contact a bunch of people that I know in the industry to see if we can get some prizes and I might build a new website so that we can promote the event properly. Mm. And, And so within the space of an hour and a half. Yeah we'd gone from, hey, the five of us just hanging out, having some fun, to what potentially could have been, you know, a fairly reasonable event. Mm. And, and then, you know, over the next couple of days, I got everything set up, you know, built the website, got into contact with Beyond Blue, reached out to a whole bunch of my industry contacts, reached out to a whole bunch of people on YouTube, um, and, you know, we put together this show that uh, within in 12 days raised 11 and a half grand. That's amazing. Um, and, you know, the, the whole concept behind it being just sitting down, painting and talking. Yeah. Because for me, during my recovery on my specific road, I understand that, the, you, know, the, the, you know, each person's, you know, road to recovery is, is slightly different. Of course. But yeah. for, for, for everybody, there is one key element that must happen. Mm. and that is talking you you must talk to people it doesn't matter if you're going to get answers or not and this is one of the biggest challenges and challenges and we touched on this quite often during the stream it was 24 hours so it came up you know several times of course Um, that one of the biggest challenges uh, you know in dealing with mental health issues uh, Mm. especially from, from a from a you know a supportee perspective if you know that someone is struggling you know, mm. it's, it can be difficult to talk about it because, you know, you don't know how to help. Well, yeah. you don't need to be able to help. And quite often, you know, the person who is struggling doesn't need your help. Mm. Whether they know that or not, it, 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 you, you don't need to have any answers. There doesn't need to be any solution. You know, there doesn't need to be anything other than just, hey, listen, man, I'm here. You know, just talk. I'll listen. You yeah. know, I can't do anything to help you. You know, this is your journey, but I'll be there to support you. Um, I'll be there to help you you know if you need just let's just let's talk and so this whole painting for life 24 Mm -hmm. hour challenge or all this this charity stream was opportunity for us to sit down together and talk and you know it got pretty heavy at some stages during that uh, that stream. Yeah. um and you know it was amazing we had all different sorts of guests on um you know ryan mcnaught um the brick man here in australia he hosted a you know very popular tv program uh with okay. hamish blake here um lego yeah. masters watched by millions yeah. and millions of people very very cool. well known man in the lego industry is yeah. also a 40k gamer wow so you know he came on the stream you know a whole whole bunch of other people you know my friend ara hardwood from Mana press peter overton from demented games um You know, um, Greg Millsop from uh, from Vonza Games. You know, a whole bunch of Australian companies trying to rep them as much as I could. We, you know, we got um, you know a whole bunch of YouTubers on. You know, Luke Fellows from uh, Geek Gaming. You know, he popped on. in the, uh, you know, the UK hours to have a bit of a chat. I had a chat with Stephen Crow from uh, Top Table Gaming, really big, you know, um, in the MESBG, uh, you know, environment. Had a chat, yep. you know, he jumped on, you know, it was great fun. You know, it was it was super, super good, Dan. You know, it was yeah. just the most wonderful experience. I've done live streams before where there's been five or ten people watching. Mm. Um and, you know, that's, you know, sometimes it's that's not the point, you know, you're just putting the live stream on so you can get some content out there, have a bit of a chat and, you know, it's things for people to listen to later on. But when you're yeah. trying to do a live show yeah. where you've got guests on and you're wanting to have some community participation and interaction, you yeah. want people to be there. And one of my biggest fears was, you know, people aren't going to be there to watch. Um, But it was, you know, we had, you know, concurrently, you know, at any one point in time, on average, around 80 people watching at any one point in time, massive interactions from the chat, you know, it was super good to have the guests on, it was all super informal, you know, the majority of the guests, you know, were popping on, we were just painting figures together and talking. So it turned out
0: to be a bit like a sort of field of dreams slash Weinstock. If you build it, they will come.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 kind of. And you know, yeah. you know pull together what uh, me and my co-host did in 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 twelve yeah. days well, um, to you know raise eleven and a half grand. grand is, yeah, is...
0: and for those of you who are listening in the UK, that's just over six thousand pounds. So that's yeah, a, that's a phenomenal effort.
1: Yeah, for hmm. uh, yeah, pretty 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 happy. So yeah. Um, yeah it was it was loads of fun we've already started talking now about doing another one next year um early next year um this time you know we'll have a little bit more than 12 days uh planning and you know some of of the other guys will be able to help out yeah um but i just sunk my teeth into it and uh you know just worked my guts off you know 18 hours a day or so just to get everything set up and you know get it all running and uh, yeah it was great fun great fun you know
0: it's one of the beautiful things about this hobby. And we were talking about it earlier with the true hobby questions is that the community, like the number oh, yeah. of tournaments and, um, you know, conventions and events that I've been to where there's somebody there that's raising money for a charity or it's in support of, of yeah. some sort of foundation and, and just the generous outpouring from members of the community to support those events, uh, those, uh, charities and, um, you know, those causes, uh, is, that's, is yeah. It's just concurrent across the community, which is fantastic, and it's great to see that that was happening with your event as well.
1: Oh, it is. You know, yeah. and you're spot on the money there, Dan. I was actually talking to someone earlier this evening um, about, about 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 this very specific thing: how you know the tabletop gaming community, mm. and and not just the miniature gaming, but you know, let's extend that out to you know, the, you know, tabletop gaming in general. You know, role players, yes. board gamers all that sort of stuff. Any, Mm. you know, anytime I see some sort of, you know, community event or charity event happening, you know, people Mm. are falling out of the ceilings and jumping out of the woodwork to, you know, get involved. You know, we had people donating stuff from their own personal stashes to to the giveaway prize pool. You know, we had sponsorship from, you know, a lot of the retailers here in Australia, but, you know, people were giving us, you know, their unopened and still sealed boxes saying, hey, Viv, you know, I'm never going to use this, please give it away on the stream um mm. it, it was just phenomenal and you I see it all the time on Facebook you know one popped up mm. quite recently somebody's army got stolen something got destroyed or damaged and you know all of a sudden there's, there's just this outpouring of support from mm. all elements of the community saying you know let's band together and yeah. take care of you know this person or this situation and it truly is just a you know a wonderful wonderful hobby that's yeah. for you know more than half my life has been, you know, constantly there in the background that, you know, being able to pull together, yeah. you know, an event like this and be able to, you know, raise a significant amount of money, in this case for Beyond Blue, was, was just amazing. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah. And there's so many organizations out there that are, are pertinent and relevant to society as a whole, but, you know, also, also personally to me. So, yeah, definitely. Um, looking forward to it. It's been yeah, great uh, fun.
0: Sounds good um so we've come to the end of, of our of our interview and I guess the, the last question I've got here is where can listeners go to find out more about knights of dice and obviously stay in touch with what you're doing not just for your sure. next um, yeah. you know uh, painting for life but but all the other great content and and products that you produce
1: uh, knightsofdice.com, knights of dicecom nights with a K as in yeah. a medieval jousting knight, right um knightsofdice.com is our website you'll find us on all social media platforms i'm most prevalent on facebook mm-hmm. you know uh, i'm an old man dan so you know instagram doesn't make sense to me Fair and uh, tw- twitter is just a buzzword that i don't understand um but uh you know you'll you'll you'll, you'll find us uh, all over all those places so knights Brilliant. of dice everywhere basically yeah. um you know you'll you'll find us knights of dice on uh on youtube and if you want to look through my old back catalog of stuff you can uh, you can go to uh, youtube.com forward slash rubbish in rubbish out yeah. um that that'll get you onto my old channel and you can have a look through all the you know the hoo-ha and rubbish that's there including a whole bunch of stuff related to ho- home brewing well not yeah. a whole bunch there's you know <laughs> through some things in there but yeah it's knightsofdice.com decent. is our website and from there you'll be able to you'll be able to find us everywhere else or just do a google search for knights of dice nights with a k as in a medieval jousting night and yeah. you'll find us yeah
0: brilliant i'll pop those in the uh episode description so that the listeners can find those and get on board but uh that's that's thanks. it there Viv. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and having a chat to us about the knights of dice and the painting for life charity event
1: oh look it's my pleasure thanks so much for having me on and uh you know i appreciate uh you know your time and, and allowing me to have a bit of a ramble like i said oh, you know i get a bit get a bit carried away so <laughs> you know appreciate good. everyone's time
0: And that was Viv from the Knights of Dice. If you'd like to know more and check out their range of tabletop gaming products, the links are in the episode description. You'll also find a link to Beyond Blue, should you want to learn more about the amazing work that they do. Well, that's it for this episode of Brushing Up, but please do make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast through your preferred streaming platform, so that way you stay notified when new episodes are released. Until next time, keep on hobbying. You've been listening to Brushing Up a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. If you have enjoyed the show, why not follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Quartermaster miniature Building Painting. and on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash quartermasterstudios. To find out more about Quartermaster Studios' commission painting services, please visit quartermasterstudios.com. Brushing Up is a Bordermaster Studios production with music supplied by bensound.com.